It's break time with Christopher J. Today we're going to take a look at scripts written by John Hughes, but never produced. Let's time trip back to the 70s and start our story. Buckle up. So the list of movies that I have ranging from the 70s to the 2010s or so comes courtesy of Wikipedia, and I found this fascinating, and this is our look at the unproduced scripts of John Hughes. These are the what could have been in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s had the studios gotten it together or had he gotten it together or whatever the case was. The one that I am the most fascinated by is what uh, starts off on our list here back in the 70s. Uh, In 1979, Maddie Simmons of National Lampoon fame uh, wanted to write the third Jaws film. It was, of course, it was going to be a spoof. It was going to star Bo Derek and Richard Dreyfuss from the original Jaws and directed by Joe Dante, who would direct uh, Gremlins and Gremlins 2 and Explorers and some other little goody wompers in there as well. The thing that I love the most about it is the title. It was called National Lampoon's Jaws 3, People Zero. Like, it's a scoreboard. And I thought, even the title is funny. How could this have failed? Well, it was going to be uh, it was going to be put out by Universal Pictures, who had done Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. And director Steven Spielberg, who had some clout at this time, uh, having done uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws, Sugarland Express, uh, the TV movie Duel. He uh, he got in there and he said no. Uh, he actually threatened that if um, Jaws Three People Zero got made, he would never work with Universal Studios again to make another movie. So because Universal said no, we're going to kill this National Lampoon thing. Uh, Steven Spielberg got to go on and make you know Always in 1941 for Universal. So uh, you have Spielberg to thank for that. Around 1982, John Hughes was working on a script for Paramount Pictures. It was um, a modern-day retelling of Romeo and Juliet and took place in Chicago, of course, probably in Shermer. It was a high school romance that told of the divisions between two feuding groups, the Motorheads and the Sportos. And if those names, Motorheads and Sportos, sound familiar, it's because Edie McClurg talked about those as like rival gang factions in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right there with the dickheads and the dweebies and the bloods and the whatever. So, Motorheads versus Sportos, also known as Just Like Romeo and Juliet, also known as Suburban West Side Story. So, this would have been a riff on the Romeo and Juliet story. Uh, I find John Hughes to be the modern-day Shakespeare of teen comedies uh, in general, so I think this would have been very fitting. Somewhere around that same time, P.J. O'Rourke of National Lampoon fame scripted, worked with Hughes to create a script uh, that was an adaptation of National Lampoon's Sunday newspaper parody. And this movie would have been called The History of Ohio from the Beginning of Time to the End of the Universe, which sounds pretty epic. Uh, A whole movie about Ohio, apparently, would have been spoof after spoof after spoof, I'm sure. Maybe it would have been like a Kentucky Fried movie kind of thing. Maybe it just would have had a different kind of feel. Uh, Who knows? But according to P.J. O'Rourke, he said, quote, We never really got it to work and finally abandoned it, but it was fun to work together. Uh, Somewhere in the 80s as well, he had a script called The New Kid. It was um, based on his experiences uh, growing up. And the story would have been about a teenager's experience in a high school in Arizona. 
He offered it to director Howard Deutsch and said you can either direct The New Kid or Pretty in Pink. And I think Howard Deutsch made the right decision going with Pretty in Pink. It was a big hit. People knew John Hughes, um, even though he didn't direct it, but they knew him from that and was a big hit and is a great part of his arsenal uh, that helps us remember Molly Ringwald in that time and cemented John Hughes's reputation as being uh, a giant in the 80s. Anthony Michael Hall says that during The Breakfast Club, uh, John Hughes offered him an idea called The Last Good Year. According to Anthony Michael Hall, this is what it was about. He says, at one point when we were doing The Breakfast Club, John had an idea for a movie called The Last Good Year. It was something that he pitched to me as something he wanted to do with me about the last good year being... 1962 before the Beatles invasion. Maybe it was a sarcastic title. The idea was, I think, that the cultural shift was significant to him, the crossover in time from Pat Boone's America to Beatles America. He didn't have too many story elements worked out, but man, did he have a mixtape put together. And that one never saw the light of day. I don't think there was ever actually a script. I think it was just the idea, something that he got excited about. He was a vigorous Beatles fan, so it probably appealed to him to do something about that. There's the movie Love Cats. Molly Ringwald says that um, during The Breakfast Club, Hughes had written a script based on the song The Love Cats from The Cure. Nothing is known about the story elements, but it it never materialized. Big surprise, Molly Ringwald might have been involved in that one. Uh, She seemed to be something of a muse for him. It seems in line with what we knew. Speaking of Molly Ringwald, there was also a script called Oil and Vinegar. And this one, I believe, actually got written. It was going to star Matthew Broderick and uh, Molly Ringwald. They were going to be a uh, couple who spent a couple days in a hotel room swapping stories on life and love. And according to Broderick, quote, It was very intimate. It was just the two of them basically is my memory, often in a car. It was a very typical romantic comedy about two very different people who fall in love, but it was very inventive in its smallness, end quote. The movie would have been released by Universal Pictures, but they came to John Hughes and they said that they wanted a rewrite, that they didn't like some of the material. So because of the creative differences, it never saw the light of day. Also to blame, Matthew Broderick and Molly Ringwald had very uh, heavy shooting schedules as well, and they were scheduled for other things at that time, so it just kind of all fell apart. Yes, they could have recast it, but... Who wouldn't want to see a movie with Molly Ringwald and Matthew Broderick from the 80s? Would have been a great romantic comedy. Would have come before Say Anything. Would have been an interesting take on that genre from, you know, John Hughes. And and I'm and I'm and honestly, I'm sad that that one never happened. Now, going into the 90s, there is Bartholomew versus Neff. Now, I've heard about this one for decades. Uh, Apparently, there was a script. Uh, I have not been able to find it anywhere. This was a story for Carol Co. Pictures. Carol Co., uh, big with uh, releasing uh, The Terminator and Total Recall and a bunch of others. Uh, My memory is that they were a smaller studio. I'll probably do one of these break times on them because why wouldn't I? So Bartholomew versus Neff was about 
two neighbors that were feuding with each other. One played by Sylvester Stallone and the other one played by John Candy. And again, I wish this had gotten made. It sounds pretty intriguing. Stallone, Candy at the top of their at the top of their game, uh, scoring off against one another. Stallone would have been a good straight man. John Candy was John Candy, so I think it would have been pretty good. Hughes had planned to direct the film right after he finished Curly Sue, and uh, they it, it was even reported at that time by the Los Angeles Times that principal photography was gonna uh, that they were gonna start shooting in the suburbs of Chicago in the summer of 1991, but that all fell apart and it never happened. Now, Black Cat Bone, the return of Huckleberry Finn, would have been John Hughes's 1991 take on the character of Huck Finn returning um, to modern times. And uh, obviously based on the stories of Mark Twain and one humorist adapting another, I think it could have been interesting. Um, There's even a a March 16th, 1992 principal photography start date, but it never materialized at, at all. Uh, It turns out that uh, TriStar Pictures and Walt Disney Pictures were both making movies about Huckleberry Finn. This one kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah, Disney eventually got their movie made and out in 1993. Uh, 1992, John Hughes was in talks with Charles M. Scholes to make a Peanuts movie for Paramount Pictures. We do know that uh, John Hughes met with uh, Chuck Schultz. They discussed, I guess, some ideas, some background, some whatever. Uh, Christmas 1992, John Hughes was going to start writing, and that never happened. What I would have loved, because John Hughes had such a hook into teen speak and the teen attitudes at that time, is if the Peanuts gang would have been more like the teens in his movies. Not not sincere, not... Um, the peanuts that we know, but a reinvention. I'm sure that that probably would have destroyed uh, peanuts in the minds of some people. Again, I would have been all for it. I probably would have hated it as I got older and thinking, well, why did John Hughes do that? He didn't have to do that. So I probably would have hated it too. Uh, who who knows? But it didn't get made. Um, Dennis the Menace got made though. And turned out not to be a great, huge success. Uh, In retrospect, people tend to like it. It did lead to a sequel. But um, my thought is that he would have given the John Hughes treatment to Peanuts in the same way that he gave the John Hughes treatment to Dennis the Menace. So maybe it wouldn't have worked out the way people wanted it to. In the early 90s, there were two movies he wanted to do remakes of. There was The Pajama Game, based on the 1957 movie. And then there was Damn Yankees, and neither of those uh, ever came to fruition. Apparently, he did write a script for uh, Damn Yankees, but it went nowhere. Now, after Home Alone was a huge uh, success, John Hughes could kind of almost do no wrong. And so he was going to write a movie for uh, Daniel Stern called The Bee. That was going to star Daniel Stern. And according to Stern, the movie was, quote, an architect who is trying to finish his project that day and a bee comes into the house and the guy gets distracted by the bee. And the entire movie is the bee forcing the guy to destroy his own house and take his life apart. Uh, one of the more most fascinating things about this is that Hughes's script, uh, out of all the pages that the script ran, probably around 90 or so being a comedy, only about... 10 pages contained dialogue, so it would have been more of like a uh, slapsticky, broad comedy, kind of physical comedy sort of movie with Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, of course, being uh, one of the burglars from um, Home Alone. 
doing nothing, doing a lot of physical comedy in that would have been spectacular at that point because he would have been in his prime and it, it might have been something special. Now, one of the reasons why the B probably never materialized uh, is because well, this uh, well, this project was in turnaround from one studio to another. Um, John Hughes wrote the script for Baby's Day Out in 1994. It came out, it failed, and Fox was like, uh, "Yeah, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch this guy's stuff with a ten foot pole." Daniel Stern also claimed that at one point that he not only would have been in it, but would have been the director on it as well. Other reports from that time say that Steve Martin was considered to star in the film, but it never happened. Uh, according to a friend of John Hughes, uh, Kirk Honeycutt, somewhere in the 90s, the script for Dumb and Dumber was actually written by John Hughes. Uh, he originated the idea and wrote an incomplete initial draft and then just basically gave up on it, but uh, sold the idea to the Fairley brothers who had his name removed from it and they made it their own. I don't know how true that is. I, I can't find anything to really validate that, but it might be true. It might not be. Uh Jim Carrey and John Hughes working together might have been fascinating had Hughes decided to direct it, but it sounds like he was just going to write it and farm it out uh, to whoever he could find from his production company. Uh, in 1996, there was a script called Tickets, and Tickets was a script that followed a group of teenage strangers camped out all night in zero-degree weather for tickets to their favorite band's farewell show. The film never got made, but there was a movie called Detroit Rock City in 1999, and it had a fairly similar plot to it, or at least the same kind of themes. Now, in the 2000s, in the new millennium, uh, John Hughes had a script called The Grigsby's Go Broke. It was about a wealthy family in Chicago who lose all their money and are forced to move literally to the other side of the tracks. Uh, in 2010, after John Hughes passed away, it was reported that Paramount Pictures bought the rights to the script, but they never negotiated to purchase them, and it's not materialized since then. In a lot of ways, with all these projects that kind of came and went, I am very, very surprised that none of them have been revised, that they haven't gotten polishes by professional script doctors or, you know, more comedic writers that could kind of take this and run with it. Maybe they don't want to touch it. Maybe they don't want to tarnish his legacy. Maybe they don't want another baby's day out kind of kind of catastrophe. And for that, I don't really blame them. It's just a shame that there somewhere might be a stack of scripts written by John Hughes that nobody's doing anything with. And I guess if they did, it's well, he might have the basis for this. It wouldn't be a John Hughes movie. He wouldn't, yeah, obviously now he can't produce it, but it would still be fascinating to at least see these scripts published, even if just in fragments, to see what was there and what was on his mind at these times. Now, that brings us up to the very last one. This one, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, in the late 90s, uh, it was claimed that he that John Hughes was going to write and direct an adaptation of the novel uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky. Now, Chbosky himself, many years later, would go on in, in 2012, actually, so 13 years after Hughes was going to take a stab at it. Uh, Shabosky went and wrote uh, a script and then directed it and found a hit with the perks of being a wallflower. And John Hughes was obviously omitted from this altogether. So that's it. That's a look at what might have been in the world of John Hughes. I'd be fascinated to hear from the people that have heard this. If there's anything that sounds interesting to them, reach out to me on Twitter uh, at Satmornpod. 
Or uh, stay tuned for the rest of this episode to find how to email me if that's the way that you'd like to do it. So John Hughes and his ideas, well, those were some of the things that made the 80s and 90s and almost the 2000s so special. Well, that's it for now. Join us next time when we explore more 80s and 90s pop culture. If you've got any memories of this or other things from the best decades, email me at satmornpod at hotmail.com. And if you're a fan of the 80s or cartoons or cartoons from the 80s, be sure to check out the Saturday Morning Podcast hosted by me. We drop a new episode every other Saturday and hope it'll make you feel like a kid again. And now, back to our regularly scheduled program.